go over the halachas of Purim in brief. We will also speak about the uniqueness of this year, Tavshim Pei Aleph's Purim falling out on Friday. And after which, everyone is invited to ask questions. So let us start. The mitzvahs of Purim are obligations and mitzvahs for both men and women, and therefore also for chinuch, for children. We have, before Purim, I want to go one day back. This year it's Thursday. That's the day in which we are obligated to fast what we call Tainus Esther. And as we explained many times, that on one hand, Tainus Esther is not mentioned in the, in the verse that speaks about the four fast, four rabbinic fasts connected to the Churban, right? It's not Asar Batevis, it's not Sheva Asabatamos, it's not Tishabov, nor is it Sam Gedalia. It's a unique standalone type of fast day. On one hand, halachically, one can be very lenient with it. I'm not, God forbid, minimizing the fast, but being that it's not connected to the Churban, so there are certain leniencies which goes beyond the norm, woman who's pregnant, a woman who's halachically nursing. Halachically nursing woman means a woman who had a natural birth and she's within 24 months from it. it has nothing to do with whether she's actually nursing or not. They are lechatchila exempt from the fast. Other women or men, we, there's a leniency regarding some gedalia. Regarding, uh, I'm sorry, Tainus Esther. Alpi Hasidus, Tainus Esther is the greatest of all fast days. Hasidus actually opines with those that say that even after Mashiach's coming, obviously anything in the Torah, Yom Kippur, will never be abolished. No mitzvah will ever be abolished. Um, other than that, all the other fast days will be actually transformed into days of celebration. And many opine that Tainus Esther will be the one exception that we will also continue to fast. Why do we fast on Tainus Esther? There are many opinions, just sharing a, a, a one droplet of the Rebbe's uh, genius approach, which is that being we went to war on the 13th of Adar with our enemies, and the rule is that on a day that the Jewish people go out to battle, there is a, we have on that day a communal fast day. And the soldiers are exempt from the fast. Now, normally, only soldiers go out to battle. Being that there was a genocide decree against the Jewish people, every Jewish man and child was in a war mode because they could have been attacked that day. And therefore, we all had the status of soldiers, and therefore, we were all exempt from the fast to the exclusion of one Jew. There was only one Jew that was certain that she won't be attacked, and that is Esther herself, being that she was the wife of the queen. And therefore she was the one who, on behalf of everyone else, fulfilled this obligation of fasting on a, fa on a war day. Esther fasted on that day, and therefore we subsequently fast on every single year. That is Tainus Esther. It's a fast that begins from the crack of dawn. If you plan... To eat, it's better to even verbalize before you go to sleep that if I wake up before Aloysa Shachar, you will eat. People don't have a proper meal, but you know, you know, food at that time in the morning, you'll have a coffee, you'll have something to eat. That's something which is advisable because it's going to give the person more koyach to be able to follow through with the fast. The fast is over. Um, I didn't, I'm not going to quote the times yet. I didn't look on the calendar, but just to know, according to the Altarebbe, you have to look at sunset. At Shkia, you add 31 minutes here in Los Angeles. And that is when you have the 
proper end of fast. I know that that will be approximately 6.10 or 6.15. Normally, we immediately break the fast. What is unique about Purim is that if one is able, and God willing, the vast majority of people are able, they do not break their fast at that time when it's halachically night, but that is when we begin uh, reading the Megillah, and the fast ideally should be broken after the reading of the Megillah. Interestingly, halachically, there was a bit of a difference between the men's and women's obligation. The men is actually obligated to read the Megillah. It happens to be that listening is tantamount to reading. So it's not that every man has to read it. Every man has to read it or listen to it, but the mitzvah is reading. Women, according to halacha, not according to the conservative movement and other people, but according to halacha, women are not obligated to read the Megillah. Actually, women don't, don't read the Megillah, not even for other women. Women are obligated to hear the Megillah. To the point that in halacha, the text of the bracha is different if the, if the mitzvah is being done only for women. The nusach of the first of the three brachas for men is al-mikra. Mikra means to read the Megillah. If someone is reading the Megillah only for women, then the nusach is lishmoya, to listen to the Megillah. Three blessings are made prior to the reading of the Megillah. All of us, men and women, should be standing during those three brachas. After which, only the reader, only if the reader is reading in front of a minion of men, must he then stand and read, but everyone else may sit down. And if you have an individual that's reading for less than a minion, then even the one who's reading the Megillah need not stand throughout. Uh, a person, men and women, are obligated to hear every word of the Megillah. Now, ideally, you should hear every word from a kosher Megillah. Practically, when one is in shul and there is noise, and it happens often that either one got distracted or especially after the Haman noise-making, um, someone made noise as the Balkaida already began to read the following word. One should compensate the word or the words or the verses that you did not hear with concentration by reading it yourself, even out of a Chumash. However, if one read or heard the majority of the Megillah from a Chumash and not from a proper halachically kosher Megillah, then they did not fulfill their obligation. But when we're speaking about just compensating, and that is true even if you come to shul a few moments late, so the brachas is the least of is, is it has the least consequence because even if you did not make the brachas, you fulfilled the mitzvah. You missed the mitzvah of the brachas, but you fulfilled the mitzvah of hearing the Megillah. But if you came to the shul and there are already a couple of verses into it, so then you quickly catch up by reading it yourself out of your copies until you come to the place where the Balkaida is up to, and then you hear it from the Balkaida. There are more details about this, but this is just in brief. Later you can ask questions regarding the above. Now, the only mitzvah that we do at night is the mitzvah of reading the Megillah or hearing the Megillah. All of the other obligations of Purim are daytime obligations. Furthermore, furthermore, even the mitzvah of hearing the Megillah, which is both night and day, the one of the day is halachically more important, not advocating for people to skip the night. But if there's a scenario where you have to pick and choose, then you have to pick the daytime Megillah reading. I want to take one step back. Um, I left out one important minog 
and that is, is that during the fast before Mincha, everyone, beginning with men, have a minig of giving three half shekels. In America, three half dollars. In Sao Paulo, he three half reais. In Mexico, three half, I don't know, pesos. Um, it's not about the value of the money. It's about you giving one coin that represents half of the currency note. Um, it's it, common practice is, is that the men will give on behalf of their wives and children in the shul prior to mincha. Those who missed giving the half a shekel, tainus Esther before mincha, compensate by doing it during the daytime of Purim. Okay, so that was the fast day, half a shekel, the mitzvah of reading or listening to the Megillah, the importance of hearing every word. If the Megillah was read with the minion, then there is a bracha that's made post. If there was no minion, then we don't make the bracha post, but we say, Shoshanas Yaakov, as we have in all of the printouts. Now, Friday day, or every Purim day, is where there is an, again the mitzvah, the main mitzvah, of reading or listening to every word of the Megillah. The next mitzvah of Purim day is the mitzvah of Mishloach Manois. Mishloach Manois means, it's important, that everyone, men and women, and because of Chinuch children, are obligated to send, ideally, through a proxy, through a shliach, through a third party, one gift that has in it Two foods. Of course, you can send many Mishloach manas, but you fulfilled your obligation by sending one gift that has in it minimum two food types. For some reason, people wrongfully think that the two food types need to have different brachos. That's not correct. You are allowed to give an apple and an orange, even though they both share the same bracha of ha'etz. However, here are the following basic rules regarding Mishloach Manas. Number one, every fruit type, every food type should have the amount of at least a kezayis. Um, number two, number two, you are allowed to give a food and a drink, but when it comes to drinks, and let's say you would want to give an apple juice and an orange juice, that's already problematic. That's already problematic. Many people have a minute to give, you know, one food and one drink. Now, again, the mitzvah is for one person to give to at least one other, but it has to be men to men and women to women. There is a prohibition when it comes to gifts. Emesh is not money. When it comes to money, absolutely there's nothing wrong for men giving tzedakah to women or for women giving tzedakah to men. There's something unique about a gift, just to be aware of the reason, that um, if a man were to send a gift to a woman, if she is single, then you might go into a big issue of maybe that gift made her his wife. And that said, dafka by gifts. Parenthetically, for people that are marrying off children, that's why we take so much caution for a chassan never to give a gift from his own money to a skala. The gifts purposefully are purchased by the parents, and it's and it should be clear that the gift is coming from the family. We're speaking about a, any gift, and not from the chassan. When a man, a single man, gives a gift to a woman, just be aware 
that our shul, like every other shul, has cases when people become a bit more learned, in which they realize, oh my God, whenever we had a party when we were in high school or who knows where, and I, as a joke, I gave a gift to uh, this girl, and I told her in front of the whole group, ah, would you marry me? When these things happen, then you probably have, a, there's a need to give a get to that woman which is a problem both for the man and for the woman. So anyways, Mishloch Manas has to be man-to-man, woman-to-woman. Now listen to this. It became a minik, and I actually, our institution, Chabad Sola, like many other institutions, are great beneficiaries from the minik of having some sort of collective communal um, put in Mishloch Manas train or however other however other way this is worded and that is is that many people give money to the institution that's going to buy nice baskets and everyone that wants to give you mishloch manas will have his or her name on the basket um that in most cases won't be the halachic way of fulfilling the mitzvah it's a huge support to the institution. It's the mitzvah of giving tzedakah. It's also the mitzvah of promoting sh- uh, friendship. It also uh, fortifies, solidifies communal feeling, which are, which are, which are other mitzvahs. But listen to this. I just want to pick, uh, paint the following. I have to give one other man two food items. Each one has to have at least a kezayis. There is a minimum amount. I can't give a raisin. A raisin is not valid. Now what were to happen... If the you who's the recipient, you're very popular, and 50 people are giving you the basket. And there isn't enough food in the basket to allow for every one of the 50 gifters to be able to say, ah, two kizesim is from me. If there's a loaf of bread that's coming from a few people going to a recipient, even though it's only one loaf of bread, as long as there is that minimum amount of a kezayis for each gifter, then everyone can say, well, one kezayis of the loaf is one of the two food items that I'm giving. But if there's one loaf of bread coming, let's say from 100 people, were you to divide it by all of the ones giving it, you don't have that minimum amount, so then you didn't fulfill your obligation. As far as not giving gifts from men to women, that is not a problem when you have a communal shalachmanas uh, drive because it's coming from many people to many people. So what we can say is, is that if the recipient is a couple, then even the better. Then the man of the gifter is giving it exclusively to the man and the recipient, right? A family to family. Everyone gives family to family. But when I give an hour, when the Zion's family is going to give you a Shalach Manas, it's not, it's that the, the man is giving it to the husband and the wife is giving it to the wife. Even though people are not aware of it, but now we're making that declaration. That's the way it works. But the issue with communal Shalach Manas is, is that you normally don't have enough on behalf of the gifters. Number one. Number two, many people give these baskets out before the day of Purim. Many people in school don't want to be troubled to have to go to school to give it to the teacher. So they give it, and on Purim there's no school. So all of these things are beautiful. They promote friendship. They express gratitude to the teacher. But halachically, in many of these instances, one did not fulfill the mitzvah of Mishloach Manas. So therefore, it's very advisable that being that men and women are obligated to hear the Megillah, and it's better to hear it in a group which means that most of us will be hearing the Megillah in shul or in other such gatherings. When you go to that gathering, take with you two food items and send it to another woman there 
through a third one. In other words, you want to you give it mishloach. The word mishloach means to send something through a shliach. Now, if you gave it directly, you fulfilled your obligation, but you didn't do it in the ideal fashion. So when you come to shul, not at night, a day, take with you two food items or take with you a food and a drink and send someone to and you fulfilled your obligation. And everything above that is nice and it's good for chinuch and it's exciting if, if the families enjoy it, but to make sure that you don't do everything other than actually performing the mitzvah. The next mitzvah of Purim Day is the mitzvah of giving to at least two poor people a money gift. Maton nois in the plural, Lo evyoinim in the plural to two destitute people. Now, the mitzvah is the mitzvah for you to give it or for the recipient to receive it? That's the big question on Purim Day. This has to be done on Purim Day. So, there are institutions here in Los Angeles, Toim Cheshabbos. I'm not saying them as the only ones, but I'm just using that as an example that they mamish give out money gifts, not food. Money gifts to the destitute people here in Los Angeles. And even if you give them your money prior to Purim, it doesn't matter. When they give it out on Purim, they are acting on your behalf when they give it. They give it on Purim and the Ani, the Evian, receives it on Purim. <clears throat> if you were to make some sort of bank payment with your credit card on the day of Purim to an institution in Israel, for example, that is halakhically very problematic because they're not going to get it on Purim. And if you send it to them before Purim, especially this year, Purim, Shabbos, it gets complicated, then you didn't give it on Purim. So either choose two destitute people that you know and give them not, not food, that's separate, give them money, or find an institution that will be handing out your money on Purim to poor people that will receive it on Purim, and that's how you fulfill your obligation of Matanus Laviyonim. So what we covered so far was Megillah, Shloach Manas, Matanus Laviyonim, and now we're going to speak about the mitzvah of having a su'uda. Now, here are the rules. A meal... Even though normally when it comes to Shabbos and Yom Tov, a meal halachically consists of bread and meat, some halachic authorities are of the opinion that being that when it comes to Purim, the main goal is to be joyful. And it happens to be that some people actually become saddened or they feel burdened if they have to eat bread because they don't like eating bread or bread is not healthy for them or they think bread is not healthy for them or some people don't like eating meat. They, for them, a meal means mamish uh, salad or grass or something that is exciting for them. Many halachic opinions holds that for Purim, it's 100% okay. That is what makes you happy. So putting that aside, if we're going to have a meal that will, that, will, that will be comprised of washing for bread, here is the challenge when it comes to Purim this year. This year, meaning when Purim is on Friday, if you are not in Yerushalayim or if you are not in any walled city that had a wall during the times of Yehoshua ben Nun's conquest of the Holy Land. Problem is, is that generally we are not allowed to eat a meal with bread, a washing meal. Every yet of Shabbos, after, let's say, approximately 3 or 3.30 p.m., because it's a mitzvah to eat the Su'udah Shabbos when you have an appetite. And if you're going to have a proper meal within the last few hours of Friday, you won't have such a great appetite. So, first of all, one option is to have the meal before noon. 
That's a great option. Option number two is, as some people, they have it earlier in the afternoon. Option number three, which is complex, and that will be to have the meal at the end of Friday. But there are many halachis that one needs to know in order to properly have both the pudding meal and to fulfill properly Kiddush, and to properly fulfill the Shabbos meal, and to daven, and to know how to bench. So some people avoid everything that I'll be saying forward. Some people, dafke don't do what I'm saying. Some people have a minute to do exactly what I'm going to be explaining of having the meal towards the end of Friday. The Rebbe himself, during Fabrengens, not necessarily on Purim, but whenever Yom Tev fell out on Friday, whenever the second day Yom Tev fell out on a Friday, which happens very often, that you have a Yom Tev that is Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, and Minik Chabad, specifically Minik Chabad, is that we always wash for bread at the end of the second day Yom Tev. Such, such meals were held in public in a Fabrengen with the Rebbe present, Fabrengen, and they did what I'm about to dis- describe. The words are poides mapa. You cover with a you cover with a tablecloth. I'll explain in a moment. It means you cover challah with a challah cloth cover. However, and sometimes in the 80s, someone began to ask questions how to do it. And the Rebbe, because of his great, great sensitivity, I mean, when a question is asked in public, whatever you do, you ashamed the person. Uh, the Rebbe from then on said. That the Alter Rebbe says not to do such meals. So just to be aware that in the Chabad community, some people will dafka have the meal before noon or earlier on in the afternoon. However, other people will have the meal towards the end of the day, but you really have to know what you're doing. So here we go. Number one, the majority of the meal needs to be eaten on Purim. So washing right before sunset is not okay. For people who sadly need to eat an hour for them to have the majority of the meal, well, then they have to start eating at least an hour before sunset. For people that I identify with, that it doesn't take more than five minutes to get satisfied or 10 minutes, so then whatever it is, just plan out the meal that you should have enough time and you should eat enough food in which you feel satisfied. So the meal part you had on Friday. This year, these times I checked, we're going to be davening mincha, for those people who want to reserve, I can send a link on, on the women's chat. We're going to daven mincha at a quarter to five, but we're going to daven mincha on time. And we're going to start the meal at five o'clock. I didn't look, but, but Lich Benshin is around 5.30 or very close to it. And that I know that the food will be already on the table. And that gives everyone who follows the halacha to eat, to, not to just to eat the challah, but to eat enough to feel that the meal was eaten on Purim. Now, a couple of things. Number one, there's a possibility, and one has to be aware of it, is that women can forget, forget to light the Shabbos candles. So whoever is making the meal should have the responsibility to remember that you don't light the candles before you begin the meal. You light the candles at Lich Benchen. And again, Lich Benchen is like 5.30 or, or 5, well, I'm close to it, to make sure that there are candles available and the, an, an announcement should be made and all of the women should light the Shabbos candles. Rule number two, the moment it is halachic sun, sunset, even though you are in middle of the meal, you did not make birchas you must stop eating and drinking 
because one is always forbidden to eat or drink after sunset. Parenthetically, it's a terrible thing that developed over just the last few years, not by the women, but by the men, that certain shuls tolerate what they call a bane. They have like a very mini snack served in shul, God forbid, Friday late afternoon. It's against halacha. It's a terrible desecration of the Shabbos because one is not allowed, not allowed, not only not to eat and drink, ideally not even to drink water from sunset until Kiddush. Okay, so once it's sunset, you stop eating, you stop drinking. Now listen to what we do. A couple of nuances here. I'm not going to go through all of the, of, the, of the different options. I'm going to share with you how we will be doing it. Step number one is you cover two chalas. Now appreciate what happened. When you begin, we're going to begin the meal at 5 p.m. When we wash and put him, even though that we are going to eat meat, bread for those of us who eat bread, we don't need two chalas. We dafka don't use two chalas. Two chalas is connected to Shabbos and according to some opinions, Yantif, which is our minig, not connected to Purim. I'm going to wash on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a bulkula, on a chala, not two. But when Shabbos comes in, I'm going to cover two chalas. Step number two, I'm going to make Kiddush. I'm not going to daven. We're going to daven later. I'm going to make Kiddush. Now listen to this Kiddush. Being that we already drank wine, we're, we're the mitzvah to drink wine in the meal of Purim. So people are going to drink wine between 5 and 5.30. And when you drink wine, whether you washed or not, even though you washed, you have to make a standalone bracha, prihagafin for the wine. So I already made a bracha for the wine. I don't make the boide prihagafin within the Kiddush. Yoimashishi. Then the bracha afterwards that ends with the words Mekadesh HaShabbos, no Boide Priyagofen. Now I know what I'm saying now is really a machloikas. Other opinions disagree with this, which is why some people avoid this whole meal not to get into these questions. I'm just sharing with you the way we in Lubavitch do it. This was done by the Rebbe. We don't make a Boide Priyagofen. After you make Kiddush, listen to this, you don't have to wash again because you already washed 5 o'clock. Furthermore, you don't have to make a Hamoitzi. So how funny will it be, how unique, you're going to pick up both loaves of bread, because on Shabbos, you make a bracha on two loaves of bread. You don't make a bracha. You're going to pick them both up. You're not going to make a blessing. Then you're going to take your knife and you're going to cut one of them and you're going to eat. And you continue the meal. Now, when you finish the meal, we won't be davening in the middle of the meal. So what I'm saying is, uh, details are only for this seder. After we finish the meal, when we bench, we're going to both say Al-Hanissim in the benching, even though Al-Hanissim is connected to Purim, which is Friday, because we began the meal on Friday, because we ate a Kazayas, at least a Kazayas of bread on Friday, and being that we also ate another Kazayas on Shabbos, we will also add that it say, we'll say both. After benching, we're going to daven Kabbalah Shabbos and Maidiv. This is called Poitis Mape Umekadish. Again, you don't need to do the above. You can be yoitzah, the mitzvah of the meal, um, during the day. Many people hold ideally before noon. Again, because of the general concept of not having a proper meal uh, afternoon, certainly not after 3 p.m. But here are all of the options laid out. And let's open up the floor to questions. All right, I'm happy. That's good. 